How long we've known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. You just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing 2019's Ford v. Ferrari, directed by James Mangold, director of Logan 2017, Walk the Line 2005, Heavy 1995. Mangold, uh is also director in uh, for the Wolverine in 2013. So he has some good, he has some bad. Um, Night and Day in 2010, and also 310 to Yuma. So my small uh, roundup of interpretation of what Mangold is, he is a director that tries to do the most with what he can with whatever script he has. And so Ford v. Ferrari, I think, is pretty good, pretty adequate. It's going to vary by the type of viewer you are as a a movie watcher. This is what I would categorize as something more or less like a dad movie. Um, You know, you get your your old-timers coming together and, you know, for one last... Uh, hoorah or one last uh, race or something like that. You know, you got to get the team together to do the thing, to beat the so. It's it's very much the same formula as a lot of sports movies. Um, Mangold um, has a visual eye and a visual style that is different than most quote-unquote dad movies. So I would elevate this and put the the acting and the, the cinematography above most of those categorical dad movies like I said and when I'm saying dad movies I'm thinking you know like your sports movies not that you know that doesn't gear to both sexes but um you know just generally speaking um yeah the uh the sports movies is you know we got to get the team together to beat the thing to beat the, the beat the guy and they may or may not do it and there's very uh kind of a binary outcome when it comes down to it um, you know, they either beat them or they don't. Um, and there's usually some small tropes or variables that are um, addressed along the way. And so this movie definitely hits those similar tropes. You know, we get some of the the crew that's kind of wacky. We get one. We get the leader. We get the side. The 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 quirky guy that kind of has to go outside the lines. So the leader being. Uh, Matt Damon and the guy, the quirky guy that's try, has to go outside the lines, being uh, Christian Bale, and you know he's just weird enough that he might be able to do it, um, that kind of thing. But overall, um, I enjoyed this movie. It's written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and uh, Jason Keller. Um, they're best well known for being writers of. It's loading. Uh, they were writers on um, Spectre, twenty fifteen, Black Mass, twenty fifteen, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. A lot of people had better things to say about that. And uh, 
a lot of other smaller build uh, media. That was uh, Jez Butterworth. John Henry um, also joined him on uh, Edge of Tomorrow as well. I don't see any other movies that... And, oh, sorry, Fair Game as well. Fair Game must be a smaller uh, kind of like a B movie or something like that, smaller, low budget. And uh, Jason Keller was also a writer on this movie. He was a writer on Escape Plan 2013, uh, Machine Gun Preacher, and uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. So, like I said, with the the dad movies, all of those sound like B B action movies, B action dad movies, and so um, that really explains what's going on. Um, with how this movie uh, is set tonally. So we have Matt Damon's Carol Shelby. Um, Carol Shelby being the, uh, yes, Ford's Carol Shelby. Um, he was an American autom- automotive designer, race car driver, and entrepreneur, and author. Um, best known for his involvement with the AC Cobra and Mustang and later known as Shelby Mustangs uh, for Ford Motor Company. Um, so, yeah, he's a pretty well-known guy in the autom- automotive industry, and they also pick up a British driver, Ken Miles. Um, Ken Miles, a British sports race car driver, engineer, and driver best known for his motorsport career in the U.S. with American teams on the international scene. Um, You know, he was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame uh, in the States. And so, yeah, uh, I I don't want to talk too much about Ken Miles until we kind of get into the story, but yeah, he seemed to be kind of one of these, like, eccentric guys that went a little bit extra above and beyond what he needed to do as a, a driver, and uh, someone that had you know high skilled knowledge of these uh, these cars at the time, and so I think the acting, the casting, it all works. Let's go to the pros real quick. Um, the pros, um, it feels old school. Like I said, with the dad movie feel, it has all of these older school old school tropes that um, you know they work for the type of movie that you're watching. Um, because we have such uh, of a strong cast, you know, this was released in December, so they wanted this to have some sort of um, uh, awards uh, recognition and stuff like that. The problem, the problem, I would say, hold on, Alexa, stop. And get your ass. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to edit that out, damn it. But, um, yeah, so the the problem with this movie, I felt like in, in areas, was somewhat of the predictability of it. it. It has almost every trope of, you know, is the team going to, um, is the team going to beat, you know, the other team? And so this whole movie is about the Ford Motor Company deciding to hire Carol Shelby and Ken Miles to design a race car team, driver, and car to beat the Ferrari Company um, in the Le Mans 66 race, 1966 race. And um, Le Mans is at, the Le Mans 66 is actually what the movie was called in some European territories. 
So um, just because it's probably a little bit more well-known there. Let me give you a little bit better of a synopsis of this real quick before I go into uh, cons and stuff like that so that you kind of have a base layer of what, what we're uh, about to discuss. American car designer Carol Shelby and Ken driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference in the laws of physics to build a revolutionary race car for Ford in order to defeat Ferrari at the 24 hours of Le Mans in 1966. So, essentially, they got to build a race car team, driver, etc. They got to have all of it, um, and they got to do it in like a short amount of time. They got to build a badass car, and they got to race in this race for it's a, a twenty four hour race. It's something ridiculous, and it's extremely hard to see because of the curves and because it's not it's not just going in loop de loops. It's it's you know it's an actual track. Um, going, uh, you know, kind of going weaving and bobbing through, you know, uh, it's not just taking a left for 400, uh, you know, 400 laps. It's much more intricate than that. Um, it's kind of hard to describe because it's in European territories, but it, I, w- I would almost say it's like driving through like mountain, mountainous in some areas. Um, but yes. They have all of the tropes that normally happen in these types of racing movies. The movie I was most thinking of uh, that came top of mind, uh, to top of mind would be the movie Rush. The movie Rush has Chris Hemsworth and another guy. I don't remember the other guy's name. Some, I think he plays like a Russian guy or something. I don't remember. But it's very much the same dynamic of... Uh, them kind of butting heads, but I kind of did think that Rush was the superior racing movie in between these two. I don't want to kind of go into a big Rush review right now, but I think uh, I think it was Ron Howard that, that directed it, and Chris Hemsworth acted his ass off. He basically plays a rock star race driver, and we are on the opposite side following um, another driver. I can't remember what his name is, um, but... It, it it's a fantastic movie, and I feel like it kind of goes a little bit more into the nitty gritty of both sides of what we're what we're actually learning about. So, essentially, we are the underdogs in this movie, Ford v Ferrari, in their perspective the entire time, and so we don't really get to see too much of what Ferraris are all about because at the very beginning, Ferraris for sale, and they they kind of are open to a negotiation and possibly being bought out by Ford. I had no idea that Ford was, you know, the big motor company, big corporate motor company that was um, looking for, uh, you know, recognition in in sales. They wanted to improve their image, so they were interested in buying Ferrari. But at the very beginning of the movie, it's not really spoilerish, but uh, because it means the movie title, they... They actually, Ford sits down with Ferrari, the the head guy, I don't remember his name, but he's kind of this asshole, um, and he, um, yeah, and, and this guy, bas- this Italian guy that owns Ferrari at the time is basically telling him to, you know, go fuck off, you know, uh, you, you American fucks, that type of, that type of shit, and the Ford goes back and reports it back to the head guy at Ford, played by um um what's his name, uh, Tracy Letts, um and 
I love Tracy Letts in this. I Tracy Letts gobbles up a scene. He just chews it up and gobbles it out like he owns the scene. I think this guy is one of the most notorious low-key actors out there. He's kind of... He, his ability to kind of transform into the characters he plays, even though that he's not doing a full Daniel Day-Lewis on it, I still 100% believe everything he's doing. And it, that's that's the thing about it, um, about his acting. And I, I, I love him in this movie. He plays the uh, Henry Ford II. And, okay, sorry, Enzo Ferrari was the Italian guy that told, that basically tells um, John Berthaw's character to um, Henry Ford, to go, he tells Henry Ford to go fuck off. Excuse me, I need to get a little cough, coffee. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, through uh, the beginning of the movie, Enzo Ferrari basically tells Henry Ford II to go fuck off. You're not going to buy our company, you American fucks. And so it's like, oh shit. So that's what instantly sets off the uh the kicker for John Bernthal's character Lee Lacoca um to go hire the race car driver Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. And so without going into any more depth or spoilery stuff, um this does have the similar tropes that you would see in a lot of the sports movies. There's always somebody within our own team think of like a, the longest yard there's you know someone's always trying to infiltrate the the team and trying to fuck up something good um that is on our side so there's basically a rat on our team um uh you know uh, this movie kind of has that same trope and same style i kind of wish it didn't follow that that same um direction this movie was made on a 97 million dollar budget and it made two hundred and twenty-six million at the docks, uh, the docks, the box office, and I think this was one of the last twentieth-century Fox movies out there, which is pretty impressive. This is an expensive movie. I, I didn't realize that this was uh, that high up, but if you think about all of the people that are, you know, uh, all of the main actors, they're all really high-caliber actors. You know, probably uh, I think they're all Oscar-nominated. I don't know if either one of them have won. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the roles that they set out to play in these are are excellent. I, uh, you know, Matt Damon and uh, Christian Bale really harness these characters. Even though I've we've seen them as Batman and we've seen them as Jason Bourne, there's never a time I, that even came to my mind. Uh, but <laughs> and it's funny because they have like you know scuffles, and it's like oh, Jason Bourne versus Batman, and it looks like shit. <laughs> um, because you know they're they're playing their age in this, so uh, let me go into the cons real quick before we, uh, the music in this. It feels like movie, movie mu- music, TV music from sitcoms or from like a TV movie or something like that. It did not feel like it set up stakes in a way that made me feel like anything was really going to happen which actually throws throws me for a loop at the very end of the movie but I'll I'll I'll, I'll um, explain that in uh, a spoiler section but yeah I really did think that the movie is is set in tone by the music and the tone of the music does not s- signal intense 
drama. It's more like kind of laissez-faire. Yeah, we we we'll, we'll we'll get them next time. You know, we'll we'll do it. We'll you know teamwork. We'll, you know, it's more or less optimism. I guess is what the the music is setting in tone. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. That you know, having an optimistic movie is good. Um, there, there were a couple of things I wrote down in the uh, notes that I think that need to be noted um, in the spoiler section. But I did feel like the music probably needed to be ratcheted up a little, bit, a little bit more. Now, during the race scenes, I will say the sound design and the music generally worked for me pretty well. Um, but throughout the majority of the movie, I didn't feel this urge or sense of you know a looming that that might happen or that might might come now that might be my lack of knowledge in history because if you if you know your car knowledge and you know your race knowledge and you know your history about you know who's going to win and what's going to happen who's going to get a promotion who's going to get fired that kind of thing then this movie is going to be a completely different experience now given uh I was not uh I don't know Carol Shelby's history I don't know Ken Miles history I don't know Henry Ford's second the second's history but it does feel like we're kind of getting an insight into it um but yeah I think overall they did a great job embodying these roles I will say I think that the movie is I think about two hours and 20 minutes or something like that it's it's a little bit of a long one let me see. Yeah, one hour and 52 minutes. So, yeah, it's about that. But, uh, let me see. Anything else? Let me see. Anything else we need to talk about? Hmm. Okay, so, um, okay. Let's hop into. Oh, Cons on the cons, awkward dad humor. I think there's a lot of humor that is very surface level that would be funny to a you know a dad for some reason. I don't know why. That's the that's the one thing that came to mind. I was like, this humor is kind of some, you know, you would laugh at it because someone else was laughing at it just to be nice. It's not. It never felt like. Uh, I guess it's not mean spirited in in a way. No, think about it. I I, I really can't think any any way like that i don't know um i might when i'm when i'm looking at the uh, notes all right we're hopping into spoiler section for ford v ferrari starting right now and i think we're gonna do some a asmr acmr i'm just kidding we're not doing acmr i'm just giving you a chance to put the spoiler section on because All right, so um, ooh, okay, so let's see. Ford, at the beginning, is having their worst quarter, and they want a new image. They want to look sexy. I didn't realize at the beginning of this movie who we were supposed to be rooting for. At first, I thought we were going for Ferrari. At first, uh, uh, I was like, you know, is Ford the corporate overlord that's kind of the assholes? You know, what's going on? Um, and it turns out. It's vice versa. And Ford still ends up being a corporate overlord by the end of this. And is still looked as kind of, 
you know, traditional. And Ferrari looks is supposed to be looked at as at the beginning as the chic and shiny and sexy new thing. But it it doesn't come across as that at the very end of this. But by, by the end of this movie, it's very interesting to see how these companies are even uh, interpreted. I, I feel like the fact is I have absolutely no idea if they got permission from Ford or Ferrari that um, they could have these um, these cars and their name and all in there. I, I feel like the only way you can have it is by saying it's uh, a dramatization or something like that. It's I don't... I don't know exactly what the legality is for having brand names in your movies, especially if it's based off of, loosely based off of history. So, um, yeah, because I don't think either one of the companies come out looking strong. I think it's, or, you know, looking positive. It, it mostly looks like they're using their consumers, or they're using their cars just to lure more customers to turn them into consumers and whatnot. Um, and they're, they already are very aware of their image in the 60s. Ford is uh, also places a lot of importance in Lamont. Um, and the line from, I think it's Enzo, you're Henry Ford, you're not Henry Ford, you're Henry Ford II. Uh, like, set, it almost sounded like he pulled out a verbal gun and shot Tracy Letts in the stomach in that scene when uh, John Bernthal has to uh, relay all of this information straight back to him. Um, I just love the lineup. I love the cinematography of the way that the, the Ford company is set up, very uh, textbook, by-the-numbers, corporate. Um, and Tracy Letts is such a hard-ass. And I, I don't know what Henry Ford II looks like. I'm, I kind of want to look him up. Let me see. I, I, I wonder if he looks looks anything like Tracy Letts. Let's see. Henry Ford the second. What? It said, can you Ford the sack? What? What the hell? <laughs> I I don't understand. Henry. Oh, I typed Henry Ford. Oh, fuck. Henry. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> Sorry if you all God, okay, so Tracy Letts looks like he gained about like twenty pounds, mostly in the face, to play Henry Ford the Second. And I feel like Henry Ford the Second was not that big. And big a big part of the script is Enzo insulting him on being kind of a quote unquote, you know, fat pig. And I think that's what he calls him. Specifically. And I you know, I, I wasn't gonna you know, Tracy Letts is generally does uh, you know, just looks like, you know, your average, uh, you know, middle-aged guy, but, you know, you know, handsome, but they are trying to really weed out what he looks like in this. And I, I don't feel like he didn't need, he didn't need to gain that, that much weight or add, they didn't need to add, they didn't need to make him look so, you know, bleh. but, um, I guess it, it just adds salt to insult to injury or whatever insult to injury. I don't know what the fuck the line is. Fuck it. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, they are describing the difficulty of the course, the way you have to bob and weave in and out of 
the curves and stuff like that. I did think that there was kind of a lacking of understanding of how big the perspective of the course is. It, I, I don't know if it's just me retrying, re uh, retrying, me trying to recall what happened, but I can't exactly remember anything of substance seeing an overhead shot of the, the course or of the, uh, the racetrack, sorry. So I, I did feel like we just saw bits and pieces of it and, you know, some really wide turns in some parts and, you know, some wrecks and other parts. Like, I love the racing. I just didn't feel like I had perspective of how far they had to go, even though it's 24 hours. And they talk about having to build this race car in 90 days. It's like, holy Santa Claus shit. Um, and his wife, played by um, Ken Miles' wife, played by Catriona Balf, plays Molly Miles. I liked her. She's she's not your um, quote-unquote average female in a dad movie or average wife in the dad movie. Normally the ones that are um, kind of put to the side or normally telling the husband, you know, we can't do that, can't do that. She just, she doesn't exactly care that he's driving again, even though Ken Miles has d decided to drive and kind of, he's... And you know how some guys act like they cheat? Well, Ken has to act like he's he's not cheating, but he's racing on the side. You know, he's he's seeing a, instead of seeing a girl on the side, he see he's uh, racing on the side. And so she's like, you know, Ken, if you are racing on the side, you need to tell me. And uh, basically, she agrees with them at a certain point and says, yeah, take the money. We need, you definitely need to get back into the game. Um, money is not exactly the strong suit at this garage that they're owning. She's a uh, Catriona Balf is also in Money Monster and Escape Plan. Escape Plan was that one movie that the uh, writers had also been on, so she's been in other things before. Uh, Josh Lucas plays the Leo Bebe character. I don't know if I've said that Beeb character. He is the notorious asshole that is trying to fuck up the entire team, the plans, throw a monkey wrench in it, and, you know, stop all the gears from going and flowing. He does a pretty good job with it in some, some certain areas. I don't recall if there is an exact reason why he wants to just be a stick in the mud. He is such a terrible, uh, despicable character, and I don't remember if it was just for him being petty for absolutely no reason or what. It's not like he was being paid by Ferrari. Just saying stupid stuff like the, all the cars. You need, we need to get Ken Miles to line up with everybody at the end of the race so that we, they have three Fords winning at the very end. So it's a historic moment at the Le Mans. But it, it ends up fucking him over at the end. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you petty ass fucker. And... and of course, Ken does it at the very end, being a good guy. But jeez, just such an asshole that that it, it, uh, just pettiness, just straight pettiness, absolutely unnecessary. Um, but yeah, so the wreck in the middle of the story was absolutely something. I was uh, sorry, the wreck in the middle of the story was something that I was curious if it was going to happen. Mostly, just PTSD comes from that. He's not harmed <clears throat> despite his arm. Um, yeah, there's several times where there's like, uh, oh my gosh, is he going to wreck? Oh my gosh, is he going to wreck? Oh my God. You know, mostly during racing movies, you're like, oh gosh, is he going to wreck? Cause that, <laughs> that's always seems to be a big thing. Uh, and then it becomes a comeback story. And, 
I'm not going to say whether it happens in other movies we discussed about, but, uh, you know, I, I personally think it adds, uh, you know, a layer to the story that makes it even more of a, you know, underdog story. And you can just see Ken, um, Ken Miles just deciding that, yeah, um, this is giving me PTSD, but he, he hops right back in the car. He doesn't give a shit. Um, the races are absolutely thrilling as shit in this. Um, there's basically only three options in these movies. You win, you lose, or you wreck. Um, let me see. Matt Damon in the final uh, Le Mans race loves fucking with the Italians. You know, taking their watches, their screws. I was like, oh my, Atlanta. Um, when you're watching these cars you know, drift like Tokyo Drift style on the side of the damn uh, Le Mans street. It is turning the brakes absolutely bright orange red, hot glowing. It all, they almost look like they're on fire. And they just look, you know, beautiful. And uh, I was watching this on, on the projector, so I was really impressed by um, the color actually still coming through on there. Um, my projector doesn't look nearly as good as um, uh, many people's projector. It's mine's kind of a cheap old one, but um, still, I thought it was a beautiful look on those uh, the cars and the the racing and the way it's all shot. It's all very thrilling. So yes, the the stupid photo just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then at the very end, he uh, Ken ends up losing because of a technical foul or something like that because he had started um behind you know because he had started the other guy had started behind Ken so therefore he went further or something I don't I don't know but regardless I was like this is the dumbest dumbest technical foul that I've ever heard of and I, I is that even a thing like if you're on a race like if you're the very furthest person back and you beat the first person, or you tie with the first person, is it technically your win? Like, does anyone know if you're, if if you're, if you know your racing stuff, let me know, just add it in the comment section or something like that. I was just like, what, you know, what is going on? Um, so yeah, the, the chemistry between the guys ends up being what is the saving grace of the movie. Um, they're a lot of fun to, uh, to listen to, and the, the uh, supporting cast as well. Of course, it is, <clears throat> Excuse me. The majority of them are um, men, I guess, because it's uh, male-centric, dominated um, sport at this time. But um, yeah, I, I was very impressed by the, the strong cast. Um, you know, Tracy Letts, John John Bernthal. We got Josh Lucas. I hated the guy, um, which means he's probably doing his job. Uh, you got Matt Damon, Christian Bale. It, it's hard not to like all these people. And uh, in, in new character, act, new actresses like um, Catriona Balf, like I, I had never heard of her. Um, the son, Noah Jupe, mixed feelings on him. You see him like watching Ken throughout the entire movie. And I did feel like the kid kind of trended between acting like he was about six to like 10. And he, he's probably actually like 12 or 13. But um Regardless, you do kind of see the PTSD in the son's eyes and the son being worried the entire time 
uh, watching his father race and just showing the difficulty and, you know, what that would do to somebody. Um, there is some sort of uh, PTSD with that um, with regards to watching these wrecks happen and thinking that you're, you know, your father or your husband or your uh, or your wife, if, if, if it's your wife, that's, you know, a race driver that, or something like that, that, um, you know, watching these wrecks happen all over, uh, can, yeah, can definitely cause a toll. And so you see it through the sun's eyes, like 90% of the movie, it's like, it's two hours, 15 minutes in the movie. All right, race is done. They lost to, they lost first and they technically got second. And so, um, he's like, all right, everything's okay. It's going to be a good day, and um, you know what? We'll win next year or something like that. And you know they're casually showing everybody, you know, still driving cars in the desert and trying to, uh, you know, make them go faster, take off the car parts and whatnot. You're like, okay, this is going to be a happy ending. And uh, you know, if you're joining right now, we're in spoiler section, just letting you know. Um, but Ken. It's just driving, you get a perspective from the sun, and then all of a sudden Ken is, you know, listening to good music, and then he fall. It, 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 the car goes into, like, a ditch or something like that, and I think there's, like, a ex small explosion, and it's still, like, relatively happy music going on, and you slowly realize, oh, my lanta, I think Ken just died. And I think for two hours of the movie, I was thinking that, I was thinking that I was like, you know what this movie needs? It really needs a nice wreck. And then it actually happens throughout the, in the middle. I was like, okay, we got our wreck. And then the final wreck happens where it's Ken taken out. Cause at first I thought that wreck caused Ken to die. Originally the first wreck, I was like, did they just kill uh Ken halfway through this? I was like in shock. So, that didn't happen. It just happened to be, you know, they downplayed that first wreck so bad, I was not ready for the follow-up wreck. And it's happened so subtly, and because it happens subtly, because it happens in between them losing, and then Ken act, you know, Ken loses the race, and then Ken loses his life. It's like, oh my god, this is definitely changed in uh, shifts in style. And of course, it's because um, you know real life is you know dictates what would probably happen in the majority of these movies, unless they wanted to go off script, which I'm assuming that the majority of this movie is on script, and that he did actually slow down for the photo, or he did do uh, whatever Shelby, Carol Shelby was asking, and he didn't win that race, um, and so. Uh, I don't have the list of things that you know this movie and you know, real life happens. Um, you know what's the big difference in it? But yeah, I think overall it still captured the essence of these characters and who they were. Um, you definitely felt like they were, um, you know, old time buddies, even when they're wrestling down on the the grass. Um, to when Carol Shelby's just showing up at his house and talking to uh, his son. The very end, it's. Uh, I, that, that moment was, uh, it, not like triggering, but it was like, um, it was emotional. I was not expecting, like, like I said, two hours, 15 minutes in the movie. I was like, all right, you know what? This is a good solid seven of a movie. And, uh, 
I'd recommend it to, you know, dads and whatnot. But then at the very end, we lose Ken. And I was like, God, this this really hurts. And I'm starting to have an emotional reaction. And so when when I start to have that emotional reaction, I can start to feel something a little bit from the movie. I will give it a, a you know a leg up, a, a slightly better of a grade because I thought the movie was just okay for the first, or it, I thought the movie was just fine. You know, it it was a great watch, it's a great sit, but overall it, I was gonna forget it. But at this very last five minutes, that's when it hooked me. That's when I realized um, how gripped I was on these characters and how much I I you know wish that Ken had won. I wish that Ken didn't die. I wish that, you know, he didn't get fired at that one point. I, there were so many points that I was just like, um, I was like, damn, this guy really got, you know, got fucked. Uh, it's like, it sucks, but at least we get, you know, to, to, to see, you know, the, the positive stuffs, uh, the, the positive stuff that happened through, um, you know, movies like this. But, uh, yeah, that last five minutes got me. I was like, oh, damn, feel me right in the heart, right in the heart. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, an emotional movie at the end. I, I, it was something that I, I really needed probably almost to it, – it, it's an emotional gut punch that I was just not ready for. And so maybe if it had happened earlier, it would be a completely different movie. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Thank you all for listening, watching Lucky Doll Podcast, the Ford v. Ferrari review. Um, if you're watching live right now, we are on Twitch. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to everybody that has decided to follow us on Twitch. I really appreciate all of the support. I'm going to give you all quick... Uh, let me see if I can do it real quick. Let me see. Let me, uh, okay, I'm going to do it real quick. And if I mis mispronounce it, I'm sorry, either email or text or not text uh twitter sorry twitter us let me know how to pronounce it and i'll i'll, I'll fix it up but um y'all know i tear about pronunciations just want to say thank you to mac 24 usc for the follow robert joe francis um sarah jawed um matt gilbert low-key t nikos karanas sorry thor lucas ala Vincent Hepburn, Christopher Vargas, The Black Phenom, Cristiano DiGiapari, and Deepak Shawani. Thank you all for following and subscribing. Could not do these podcasts, streams, and SoundClouds, and YouTubes, and uploads without you. I mean... That's how, you know, the follows and subscriptions and comments and questions and concerns, all of that, that's how I know you're enjoying it. That's how I know you are, you know, absorbing the podcast and understanding what I'm saying. And um, you're, you're, you're digging what I'm saying. I'm, I'm getting some positive reviews. And um, I, th I think it was uh, there was one more person that joined us last night. It was giving me some good feedback on... Um, on some stuff. Yay, Cherry Bomb. Thank you for the uh, follow as well. Um, they were helping me out with some sound stuff on um, Twitch. And, of course, if anything's going wrong with the podcast, if anything's going wrong with the video, audio, something like that, we're constantly improving and um, tasting, taking suggestions and um, you know, upgrading equipment as uh, usual. 
Um, but thank you for, uh, you know, all your support, all the donations, all of that, that all goes to the back end support of the Lucky Dog podcast and helps us improve with, uh, streaming quality and uh, obtaining new content and so yes we could not do this without you check out all the social medias we have an abundance of social medias um, available I probably should have had it up on this screen while I was doing it um, oh, whoops anyways um, we'll do it on the next one um, we have social medias available at um, comments questions concerns email Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail.com. We have changed it to Lucky Dog Podcast. It's in the description. Twitter, Lucky Dog Podcast. Facebook, link, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, links all down below. Lucky Dog is one word. Podcast is another if anyone wants to know how to uh, find us on um, the SoundClouds or, you know, popular uh popular playlists or media players or whatever the hell you're looking at but um yes thank you for supporting luck dog podcast we are on call of duty about every other day because the quarantine there's not sheet to do so we are on there come hang out there with us um i'll answer questions and you know we'll just fuck around and shoot the sheet and whatever maybe do some watch parties and um check out some stuff we um currently just we just reviewed Portrait of the Lady on Fire, so be sure to look for that. Devs, Season 1, Episode 8, Season Finale. Devs is the new sci-fi Hulu television show. It's uh, uh, really awesome, I'll, I'll be honest. It has uh, uh, Nick Offerman in it and some uh, some of the people that were involved in Alex Garland, the director of Ex Machina. He, he made this entire series. It's only eight episodes. Very bingeable. Um, really, really would recommend it. Money heist. Everyone's hopping on the money heist train. I can't believe we were, I, I, I don't want to toot my horn too much, but I, I feel like we were money heisting a couple years before everybody. And I think everyone that has, um, been following along on the Lugdell podcast can attest to that as well. I just want to point that out that we might be ahead of the curve, um, when it comes to our money heist reviews and whatnot. So we're going to continue dropping those we got part one already uh, part sorry part four already available um platform uh the new movie on netflix we have that review already released and if you want to go behind the scenes the luggedal podcast and hear what we're discussing non-movie related uh go to the aftercast that is released on um, you know youtube and soundcloud and everything like that recorded live on twitter sorry twit recorded live on twitter what the hell am i talking about recorded live on twitch and uh yeah, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, recently, we've kind of been discussing a lot more of the quarantine stuff. So, um, but yeah, I could not do this podcast without you. Thank you for watching, listening, supporting Lugadell Podcast. All right, take it easy. You got a plan? High risk. I thought the whole point was to win the damned race. This were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks aren't everything.